episode of the Press Rewind, Prince Lyrics podcast, we're covering a track from the Purple Rain era where Prince repurposed the title for a different song only a couple of years later, and that song is Love and Sex. Joining me on this episode is first-time guest Sydney. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Hello, thank you for having me here. Uh, great to have you. Like I said, first-time guest, so that's always exciting. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean... It is what it is. We want to get to know you, Sydney. I think myself and the listeners would like to know a little bit more about you. And of course, specifically, you know, where, where your introduction to Prince came from, what's your background with his music? How did you become aware of him? I mean, it's all very interesting to myself and to the listeners. So I would love if you would, wouldn't mind sharing some of that with us. Oh, no problem. Well, like, like you said earlier, my name is Sydney. Um, but around Prince fans, I normally go by Sydney C. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> um, I'm from I'm from Dallas, Texas. I was I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. I'm I'm 18 years old. I'm a college student. Um, and how I got into Prince or how I was introduced to him was by my mom and my aunt. So um, my mom loved the album Purple Rain. Um, and every time it would um, every time like the movie would come on on television, me and her would always sit down and watch it. And she would always ask me to identify different band members and all that type of thing. And my earliest memory of Prince in general was the When Doves Cry music video. Um, whenever MTV used to play music videos, that was a long time. I can't time. believe you remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I had that was a long time ago. <laughs> yes, that was a really long time ago. Um, and it was the uh, When Doves Cry video. And I, I remember like seeing the, the bathtub scene. And I was just, I, I was, my little mind got to thinking, I was like four or five at, the, at that point. Um, and whenever it comes to my aunt, she loved, the song adore and she would always blast the song in the car and um that that was my that's how i got to know of him and you know i always heard his music around my family my mom loved him my aunt loved him like i said earlier but um on the day of his passing my mom actually came to my school i was pretty young i was in sixth grade i believe and she told me, you know, Sydney Prince has passed away. And then once I got home from school, I started doing a lot of research on him. And I got on Instagram, going through different fan pages. And then all of a sudden, the Get Off video pops up. Um, and I, let's say I was addicted to watching that small little clip of the Get Off video. And that ended up, <laughs> that ended up turning in, uh, into me actually buying get off whenever it was put on itunes so it was the whole purple rain album and get off is what i knew uh at that point and um after that i, I took a little break and then once the pandemic hit i got bored i was sitting in the house and then i i listened to get off because it, it just came back to my mind and then all of a sudden i was like you know what let me just click on these different albums and that's exactly what I did. That's how I got deeper into his music. And then I got on Twitter and met other Prince fans my age. And we all got in group chats. We started watching Prince concerts together, listening to his albums together. And yeah, that, that was how I got into Prince. And till this day, I'm still into him. Love it. Love that story. I think it's uh, really cool that, you know, I mean, a lot of people 
even myself, somebody who's older, got into or you know became aware of Prince through my older siblings. So I find a lot of commonality with no matter how old you are, certain people in your life kind of introducing Prince to you. Now, I would have found him eventually, but because I was young enough to experience the Purple Rain era in real real time, but Little Red Corvette in 1999 were my introductions, and it was because my sister had bought the the 45 singles, and we would play them on our parents' record player. And, uh, you know, it was just something different, something I'd never heard before, and, and I loved it, and I imagine that's kind of what you felt, you know, watching the the When Doves Cry video, listening to Adore, seeing Get Off. It's like, wow, this is cool, different, and I am fascinated by what this man is doing with this music and these videos and these visuals. I want to know more. And I suppose you were, uh, let me ask you this question, Sydney. Were you a bit overwhelmed by the amount of music that was presented to you when you started finding out how many albums he had written and recorded? Honestly, no. Um, That's awesome. Because I do listen to artists that they don't really have half of the discography that he has and I kind of get um, a little annoyed with having to listen to the same five albums over and over again so I was excited actually <laughs> like That's more cool. music yeah more music please well okay so that yeah it's it's really difficult to get bored with Prince's music if you get bored with Prince's music it's because you're not expanding your your horizons throughout his discography and you're just listening to the same three four or five albums um, it's really, it's a shame if you don't listen to the entire, you know, four decade run that he had. So, yeah, I can see how that would be exciting, especially during the pandemic when, you know, listening to music is just kind of like one of those things you do when you're alone and you're not really going anywhere. Perfect time, it would seem, on the surface to to explore his discography for yourself. So, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for asking. <laughs> so as it pertains to the song of the day, we're going to be talking about Love and Sex 84. And I'm going to clarify the 84 version because this is a rare instance where Prince reused a song title for a completely different song. So this isn't like a re-recorded version that he did later. It's completely different songs, unrelated as far as I can tell from sound, lyrics, everything. But, um, you know, just likes the idea of using the title Love and Sex to kind of tell us what the song is about. Pretty, pretty on the nose, Love and Sex. But the themes, I feel, are different enough, and the music, of course, is very different, where this song fits right in with the Purple Rain era in terms of how it seems to be discussing themes of religion and combining that with sex and love, as the title indicates. And trying to find this um, balance between Prince's, you know, religion and his faith and his carnal desires, uh, his desire for relationships. And, of course, the, the pleasures that go along with being in a relationship. And which was a, a pretty big part of his music throughout his career, but it really started coming out in the forefront. I think during the 1999 and Purple Rain era, I mean, you can't get much more overt about it than the the um, the God sequence during the Purple Rain tour, 
where he just basically breaks everything down, has a little gospel sermon there and discussion with God in the middle of a, a pop rock concert, which is <laughs> bizarre, but cool at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, this song was, according to Prince Vault, was recorded at Sunset Sound Studios in Hollywood in late February of 84, two days before he recorded When Doves Cry. So, again, squarely in the in the Purple Rain era, which is where this song ended up being released as the um, one of the tracks on the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition from 2017. So that gives us some perspective of, you know, where his head was at. He was still having to create songs for this forthcoming movie and album, but then also writing a song like Love and Sex, which I don't know, Sydney. I don't know if you think that this was potentially being thought of as a as a song for the soundtrack. I mean, at this point, the soundtrack was pretty much done with the exception of a couple tracks that they wanted to fill in some of the scenes. But all the live performance songs were obviously done, so they had to be done before they could make the movie. And really, just Take Me With You and One Doves Cry, the two montage uh, songs from the film, were all that was left to record by early 84. So I just don't see this being a song that he had in mind for the album and the movie. Um, but I could definitely be wrong. Uh, it could be in the potential B-side it could have been just something he had and wanted to record because it was a, a cool idea, cool sound. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on on its placement in the Purple Rain Pantheon? Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't. I don't think it was it was made to go on the album. If anything, I always felt like it was a B side type of track. Um, I've always thought of it being the B side to like Baby I'm a Star. But um, I don't I don't see it fitting anywhere in the movie or on the soundtrack. I, I don't think he made the song to go on the Purple Rain album or in the, the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I just I just don't see it. Um, but that's again, we're just speculating. We don't really know. But but we know that he was still recording songs at this time for the soundtrack. But when he was being asked to come up with another idea, come up with a song, it was usually to, again, it was to have music over certain scenes in the film, like montage scenes or scenes of Prince and Apollonia driving out into the country or scenes where Prince is being very contemplative about his relationship with Apollonia and kind of feeling bad about what he's done to her and how their relationship is seemingly falling apart before it even gets started. Love and sex, the theme of love and sex, as we'll go through the song and talk about the lyrics, doesn't seem to fit any montage scenes that I can think of. Because Purple Rain mm -hmm. doesn't really touch, the, the movie that is, doesn't seem to really touch a lot on religion and talk about God. Because um, they even take out the, the coat, well they don't take it out, but they kind of uh, have a scene over it. At the, in the purple rain for darling nikki so darling nikki ends with that backwards coda which is basically a, a gospel prayer and they don't perform that of course on stage during you know during the the movie and that's really the only or one of the few religious references in the film or in the soundtrack so again i just don't see this being a part of the soundtrack either so i agree with you there a b-side have been a really cool b-side to you know an upbeat song that, that would have been released 
but how can you argue against 17 days in erotic city as being the one two b-side punch that we got for the first two singles right pretty tough <laughs> this was a prince solo recording so there was no involvement from members of the revolution in its recording we do have some background vocals that have been identified as jill jones's but beyond that the, all the instrumentation is prince's just like it was on when Duff's cry so it kind of fits in with what he was doing and recording at sunset sound around this time late february early march of 84. and um that's really all i have to say about this song because there's not a lot known there's not a this amazing history around it or some intriguing story about how it was created or who it might have been sung about like a lot of songs we do from the vault we are able to to dive into a little more of discussion around what we think is the inspiration or who was the inspiration or where the song could have been slotted was it written for vanity sake was it written for apollonia was it written for somebody else at the time i think it was just a prince song that he that he liked and wanted to get it out there but then never found a home for it and moved on mm-hmm. i believe the same thing but i'm glad we have it because it is it is very of the era it has that that lindrum sound to it it incorporates a lot of similar styles that prince was making in 83 84. Um, so it's it's cool to hear another idea that fits in with the in the same musical realm as these songs because he moved on pretty quickly like around the world in a day doesn't have i mean it has some similarities it has some threads that you can pull and and find back traces back to purple rain but a lot of it is its own very distinct and different musical and thematic elements to it love and sex to me does sound like a purple rain era song which i like because i like that album i've always felt like it sounded like it could fit on 1999 for some reason sure yeah i mean those two albums have a lot of similarities they're very lynn drum heavy and he moved started to move towards live horns later like shortly after this and this song is very kind of i wouldn't say synthetic is the right word but it just has that traditional early 80s minneapolis sound to it which was also very 1999 you're right um okay so i guess i'm ready to move on to talking about the lyrics of the song the themes of the song if you're ready sydney oh yeah i'm ready all right let's do it So the opening of the song, he just kind of does his one, two, three, four. He has a, an amazing Prince scream to kick it off. He says, come on, baby, hurt me, which is a, a kind of a line he uses, hurt me, uses the word hurt uh, several times in this song, which we'll talk a little bit about what is what is he trying to say there? What is What are the thoughts around that? But then the actual first verse of the song is, when we both die and go to heaven, Will you still desire me, or will he make you fire me? Will he let you hurt me in the upper room? (laughs) Okay, 
So I'm going to pass it to you. Pass the baton to you, Sydney. What do you see here in this first verse? What do you like about this? What this first verse is doing, and what are some themes that you are are thinking that he's attempting to express here? Okay, so in this first verse, um, I I've always seen it as him being curious, because um, in the afterlife we always wonder, well, in heaven. Will we be able to do certain things? Is this possible? And I feel like he he was asking a necessary question, but I also kind of I find it very funny. But um, me o- overall on this on this first verse, I feel like he was asking basically like, hey, you know, whenever we get to heaven, can we still have sex? It, like, is this possible? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, and you know that he he always and he always tries to incorporate religion in in his things. And um, with this first verse, it's like he he kicked off this this song and, and basically put it in a genre of being a danceable gospel song, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what your themes are. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he doesn't use explicit language here. He is using it's it's coded, but it's easily decoded that's because he starts it off when we both die and go to heaven so you he tells you exactly where where the song or what what he's referring to what he's curious about as you mentioned he's curious about what life is like in the afterlife um he says that in you know let's go crazy things are much harder in the afterworld mm-hmm. maybe they're harder because you're not able to do certain things that you are able to do on earth and is sex one of them good question right I and mean, he wants he wants answers <laughs> he's looking for answers will you still desire me or we or will he make you fire me i mean fire can be used as like it's like fire somebody's to you know remove them from the situation whether it's a job or their life or whatever from a relationship but also when you think of fire as an opposite to heaven you think of hell, of course, and and fire and hell is they they go hand in hand. They're very um, you know the imagery is intertwined. Fire and hell. So I like how he kind of plays around with that a little bit. Like, will we're in heaven, but will you make me go back down to hell because you don't want to be with me anymore, or you know maybe maybe god because it says will he make you fire me so really it's god's decision whether or not prince goes to heaven or hell right it's nobody else's decision so is he saying like is god going to uh send me to hell because of some of the things that i've been singing music about uh incest uh, oral sex uh some of the more explicit language he used on 1999 because we know he had a little bit of Oh, I don't know if guilt is the right word, but um, crisis of faith at times about reconciling his his dirty persona, mm-hmm. uh, some of his explicit language that he used early in his career with his faith. I mean, that's the, essentially that is the the theme of a song off of Around the World in a Day, Temptation, um, where he's asking for forgiveness basically for what he has you know what he's been all about up to this point so it's kind of interesting how he's you know still thinking about those things or you know is starting to think about those things here in early 84 
But then the last line in that verse, will he let you hurt me in the upper room? Okay, so I think it's pretty clear the upper room is heaven. It's a mm-hmm. you know, metaphor for heaven. But the the euphemism that he uses here to hurt me is not like I don't think it literally means you know to to injure. I think he's talking about sex, right? I mean that it sounds like you are in agreement. Yeah. He's he's wanting to know will he let you have sex with me in the upper room in heaven. But I just find it fascinating that he uses that that euphemism for sex to say hurt me. Come on baby hurt me. And and we know that that is a it can have connotations and connections to uh S&M sadomasochism. Mm-hmm. And a theme that just a couple years prior Prince was singing about pretty overtly in automatic yeah and uh and the music video that went along with automatic really laid it out pretty clearly that yeah the song has lots of aspects of snm to it as prince gets tied to the bed by by lisa coleman and and jill jones that's uh one of the more i I find it to be a fascinating music video and song that's why automatic is one of my all-time favorite prince songs because it, it goes places that his lyrics didn't often go. It takes us to on a journey, you know, and, it, and it's lengthy song too. So this this ask this calling this hurt me, but but using it as a like I said a euphemism for an enjoyable act is fascinating to me. I mean, do you have what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm I'm going to be honest. I felt like it was it was very genius, and in in this case, I feel like it's it just showed um uh his his lyricism, um and how he in some ways even though he wasn't the biggest fan of the rap music, but it, in this case, I feel like this was very very rap like. Um, the overall message itself is it's hmm, I would say in in some sense is funny. Um, cause who, who comes up with this stuff mm-hmm. um, and, <laughs> and, um, I don't, it's, I don't know how to describe it other than it's just very princey. I can't see anybody else coming up with these type of metaphors and things like that. Um, and coming up with this message is very princey. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I like the fact that he didn't just, he didn't come up with this out of nowhere for the song nor would he abandon the notion that S&M, if we're just going to blanketly call it that, enjoy uh, in, inter, um, interjecting a bit of pain into your pleasure mm-hmm. wasn't something that he never did before or after. And I did a little bit of digging, and I remembered, I don't know, this, is, this doesn't really have anything to do with S&M, but he mentions in the song Soft and Wet, he says... And I'm paraphrasing slightly with, you know, his sugar cane will cause them pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to lose my sugar cane in you if you can stand the pain. I mean, we, I explained in that episode what that is likely referring to. But he mentions, you know, he, he brings up the pain. Brings up the pain aspect of uh, that sex can also uh, have, depending on the person's, um, or depending on what they're doing or the person's, how much um experience they have let's put it that way 
But then later on in the 90s, he explored S&M a little bit again in songs like Pheromone off of the Come album. Even talks a little bit about it in I Hate You, like tying tying his lover up and, and you know, p- pleasuring her while she's tied up. So, and of course, I already we already talked about a little bit about Automatic. So it's it's certainly something that he would he would dive into this topic, this kind of tabooish topic, on occasion. Rarely would it be talked about in a a song that was intended to be, you know, a, a widespread crossover hit. I I hate you was released as a single, but. Uh, at this point, you know, it was mostly just played on black radio stations. It wasn't a crossover to to white audiences or or pop stations a whole lot. Right. So I, I just enjoy the fact that this is not something that he ever really kind of abandoned or gave up. Like certain things, like he gave up on the cursing. We know he did that. He stopped cursing at a certain point in his career. But Prince still was kinky, you know. <laughs> I think he still had some kink in him throughout his entire life, and even into the 2010s, you can um, you could find I you know uh, references to maybe less overt, but references to this type of enjoyment of um, kinkier aspects of, of sexual intercourse. Right. No. You know, it's it's a common fact that Prince has always associated sex with like um, spirituality, and um, I, I feel like that that also goes in uh, further of this uh, uh, of this song and um, you know tying it to God like he has always done, and it's just um, I would like to point out that this was like you said it was a continuation of of this same running message that he had basically throughout his whole career. But yeah, that's all I want to say <laughs> on that. Part. Yeah, you're, you're you're right. You're you're absolutely right. So this is just another song in the long line of songs that he wrote, where he's talking a bit about religious iconic iconography, um, talking about God, Jesus. Sometimes he says them overtly. Sometimes you have to figure out that he's talking about it, like in "Let's Go Crazy," mm-hmm. but also making sure that it doesn't get too preachy because the song is ultimately about sex and love. Right. But it just happens to be in, in the, um, in the context of somebody who is religious, who knows and believes in the afterlife. And as you mentioned earlier in the episode is curious about that. Like this is something I enjoy doing here on earth. If heaven is supposed to be this great place, does that mean that I can continue to do this? And can I do this with you? Meaning like this person that he's singing the song to, because he's talking about as somebody specific. He's just not generally saying, hey, I, I'd like to have sex in heaven. God, can I do that? He's talking about somebody else, you know, somebody very specific. When we both die and go to heaven, will you desire me? He wants to, you know, he's hoping that this person that he's in love with or in a relationship with 
they will be able to continue to enjoy each other in that way after they pass. Mm-hmm. So the chorus is sha-la-la-la, sha-la-la-boom. Come on, baby, hurt me in the upper room. Sha-la-la-la, sha-la-boom. Love and sex in the upper room. And he'll say, you know, just throw some ad-libs, all right, hit me, you know, yeah. But essentially the, the lyrics of the chorus are are not super deep you know it's just kind of reiterating the the same concepts that we've been talking about already hurt me in the upper room okay so when we go to heaven i really want you to still desire me want Mm -hmm. to have sex with me and i want to be able to do that right the chorus of this song always reminded you know i I hate to bring this person up but the chorus of this song always reminded me of a michael jackson song in, in Michael's early Motown days, one of his solo albums, it was called Forever Michael, and he had a song on there called Dapper Dan. And he also did the sha-la-la-la-boom. So that's why I always just, I always think of Michael when the, the chorus of Love and Sex comes on when I'm listening to it. I love making parallels between the two because I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of both. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that, I mean, I can't be convinced that Prince didn't listen to Michael's music. <laughs> I just can't be convinced of that. If no, if for no other reason, to understand Michael was very popular and what made him popular. So Prince is a, a music studier. Mm-hmm. He didn't live in a bubble. Uh, he he was well aware of other musicians' work, and and he would, you know, tell very frankly people if he liked it or not. Like he wasn't afraid to you know, to be honest and and forthcoming with his opinions on other people's music. Mm -hmm. So certainly he had to be aware of, of the album you're referring to in the song. Okay, so then with the second verse, it is when we both cry and want each other, will you still resist me or will you come and kiss me? How am I supposed to sleep without you in my arms? So this second verse seems a little bit more traditional in its depictions of love and sex. I think a a bit more because it doesn't it doesn't reference the upper room. Doesn't reference mm-hmm. God so much. It's just more about talking about their relation. It feels like they're just talking. He's just talking about their relationship, and they apparently have some some dynamic where it's like a cat and mouse game going on here. Because he mentions, "Will you still resist me, or will you come and kiss me?" So I'm wondering if we're getting the picture of of this relationship being a bit rocky at times, or or potentially it's still very early where the woman isn't quite sure if she likes him that way or likes him enough to always give in to what he's asking her. 
when we both cry and want each other, that's the part that is kind of interesting to me. I'm not exactly sure what he's referring to for cry there. More is like it, when they both cry, meaning when they are sad because they miss each other or sad because they've been fighting or other. I, I'm not sure. What do you think about that line when we both cry and want each other? I always saw it as a mixture of uh, of um, like both being upset with each other, but also missing each other. And, you know, like you said, of course, it's, it's a rocky relationship and something happened to, to cause them to, you know, feel sad and miss each other, but also also in, on the woman's part, not not want to be with him. Well, at least at least in that moment. Yeah, I just always saw it as a mixture of two being upset and also missing a person, which is very, um, very common in relationships. I think it's always been that way. Mm hmm. But in in terms of that, yes, it's, it's just a mixture of both. Yeah, so you and I have basically the same thoughts on it. So if anybody's listening to this episode and you have like a different interpretation of what he's referring to and he says, well, we both cry and want each other, I'd like to hear it because uh, Sydney and I are basically on the same page, which is right. cool for the episode, but it may not be right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or it may not be wrong either. I mean, there is no right and wrong, really, if you think about it. Okay, yeah, and and again, they seem to have a rocky relationship, you know, like I said, cat and mouse situation going on where she at times resists him for whatever reason that she has. But then they seem to often kiss and make up. Right. And that last line, how am I supposed to sleep without you in my arms? So this whole second verse doesn't really seem to be talking a whole lot about the, what the chorus in the first verse is referring to, where Prince is wanting to know, can they have sex in heaven? Uh, it's just more about in the moment, I think, like on earth, this is our situation. Mm -hmm. you know, he's still asking these questions while he is alive. He's asking these questions that a, a lot of people normally think of, but normally don't say it out loud. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, each verse is filled with questions. Right. Like the, there's line after line of just questions that go unanswered, of course, because it's not a back and forth song. So these are things that he wants to know more about. He wants to know about heaven. He wants to know, you know, how did where does he stand with this with this woman? And what's their relationship like? Right. So then we get to the, the second chorus and it's identical for the most part. I mean, he he throws a lot of like ad libs into the song. So he'll say, good Lord. Yeah, you know, it's one point in the chorus, but that's. It's an ad lib. It's not I don't think it was something that he wrote down. Right. The um, the, the basic of the the basis of the chorus here is the same. Sha la 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 sha la la boom. Come on, baby, hurt me in the upper room. Shalalala, shalala, boom, love and sex in the upper room. And the only thing I wanted to mention about the title, love and sex, and how he's talking about it in the chorus is that they're not separate here. It doesn't appear to be. Like they are one and of the same. Mm -hmm. And we, again, like in Temptation, he makes it very clear that love is more important than sex. Right. And this is how he repents by by admitting that 
you know, this is, this is now he, but he sees it now. He sees the light. Love is more important than sex. In this song, love and sex are, they seem to be on equal footing mm-hmm. in terms of, in terms of importance. Cause he doesn't say, well, I mean, he just never talks about one without the other. It's all the same love and sex in the upper room. Like we love each other and we're going to have sex with each other in the upper room. Not just one or the other. Like, I'm not going to just love you. I don't want to just love you in the upper room. But I certainly don't want to just have sex with you. I want both. I want them together. Because, you know, you have to kind of believe that, at least for this song, he feels that they are intertwined. Can't have... If you don't... Ha- if you have one without the other, then it's... Then you're not completely fulfilled. Right. The bridge is a little bit interesting as well, but it kind of just talks a lot more about um, where they're at, I think, in their relationship. Not too sad, too sad, happy, too happy, just one single sexy glance or two. That's what kind of party is the cool. Shalalala, shalaboom, I put on my Sunday best. His clothes so sharp. Shaboom. Uh, okay, so, you know, I mean, a lot of this kind of sounds nonsensical, a little bit nonsensical when you just read it out loud, but it sounds cool in the song. So <laughs> people listen to the song if you want to hear how this actually sounds and not just me reciting it. Right. <laughs> but, but that's kind of what, I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting from this is like when he says not too sad, happy, too happy. I, I just kind of get a bit like he's talking about how the relation where the relationship is at the moment it's it's in a good place but it's not you know to to say it's not too sad so that kind of implies that there is some sadness there at times but it's not too sad don't worry it's not like depressingly sad <laughs> it's just has its moments we have our moments together i've always seen this breakdown as him like um like in, in a hypothetical sense of him actually being dead and there being a funeral and normally um in in different religions such as christianity and um and a, a few others basically when people die normally at funerals they're like you know people normally tell each other oh don't be sad they're in a better place and whenever he says not too sad too sad happy to heaven i feel like he's saying oh don't worry i'm in a better place now and you know he ends up referring to his Sunday best, and we all know whenever people get buried, that people normally try to dress them really mm-hmm. well uh, to the nines. <laughs> yep. But um, uh, and normally after funerals, there's a repast, and normally that's a time for for celebration, especially in the in in communities of color. After funerals, we normally try to celebrate the life of that person. So you know whenever. You know, whenever he says, uh, that's what kind of part, that's what kind of party is the cool. I feel like that's the celebration of life itself. I've always seen it as that. I like that. Now, now that you say that, it seems to be pretty obvious to me. Putting on Sunday best, his clothes is so sharp. 
you know, like somebody, I could see somebody saying that as they're looking at their loved one that has passed, he looks sharp. Like he looks really good in that sharp outfit that they dressed him in for his funeral. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then it it's a, can be uh, referred to as a party when you're celebrating somebody's life. Not that they passed, but the life they lived up until their passing and a celebration right. of that. So, yeah, it totally makes sense. I dig that. Thanks for bringing that up. The rest of the song gets a bit repetitive. There is the third verse. He starts like a lot of third verses. He adds some elements that are similar or the same, but then tweaking them slightly. So he still repeats the the line from the first verse when we all die. Except he changes it now. Instead of when we both die, when we all die and go to heaven, will he let us fantasize? Where's this? Or is there some new cool surprise? Let's all try to come together before we go. Okay, so there's there's some language here that you can interpret <laughs> a couple different ways, which was, of course, something Prince loved to do, is give us food for thought or give us ways, multiple ways to interpret a line. In that last line, let us let's all try to come together before we go. I get a couple different meanings here. One that's a bit more yeah. uh, sexually driven and one that's just a nice thought. You know, like if you're thinking world peace, let's all come together and mm. and live in peace and harmony before we go. I would like it if we if when we die that we died in a in a in a world that there wasn't so much hatred. Mm-hmm. But then there's the <laughs> let's all just try to come together like let's Let's have let's have as much sex as we possibly can before we go, because we still don't have an answer whether or not God is going to let her hurt him in the upper room. <laughs> so we don't, we don't really know. So why why uh, why risk it? Let's let's do it as much as we can while we're on Earth. Let's all try to come together before we go. Can certainly be interpreted that way as well. Uh, do you do you agree with that, Sydney? Do you have any other alternative interpretations of that line? Yeah, I I agree with everything you said, but with with the third verse, um, uh, a lot of uh, okay, I feel like preacher Prince came out. Um, a lot of uh, younger fans always <laughs> kind of refer to him whenever he's preaching on a song as Reverend Nelson. So Reverend Nelson came out right here instead of including <laughs> himself and, and another woman like he did change it to all. And it's like whenever he says, oh, I just think of like a, um, a congregation because of the Reverend Nelson thing. And, you know, he goes back to asking these questions and um what how I interpret it, even though, you know, I do agree with your, with, you know, your your double meaning of uh, let's all try to come together before we go. But I've always seen it as him him speaking to a congregation. And it's like, you know what, let's let's 
let's join hands and be peaceful and, you know, make everything right before we go. And I feel like that's where the love aspect of the song also comes in on that last line. Yeah, I like that as well. The the line, will he let us fantasize or is there some new cool surprise? I don't know if uh, he's just trying to say here that will we be able to, I mean, very simply put, can we be kinky in heaven? Like, can can right. we do things that are a little, a little uh, out of the norm? <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> are we going to be judged? When he's he's hoping that that's not true, or is there some new cool surprise? Like, hey, is there something in the upper room waiting for us that we can't even envision here right. on Earth? Like, we have no idea what's in store for us, and. That would be really cool if that was the case, is what I think he's trying to to say here. Is there something that we can look forward to that we don't even have a clue about? Mm-hmm. It's a nice way to think, like, are we just going to basically live the exact same existence in heaven, just no longer with our earthly bodies? Or is there something even better that we're just not sure what that is and we just have to wait, like on Christmas Day? So the, after that third verse, though, the rest of the song is pretty much just Prince ad-libbing and, and, and doing his, you know, some scatting here and there. But it's a lot of uh, repetition of a lot of the same lines from the chorus. Uh, you know, repeating of, come on, baby, hurt me in the upper room, love and sex in the upper room, hurt me in the upper room. A lot of shalalalas, shalabooms. Not much else that's different. Again, I think you're... you're um, Reverend Nelson is uh, comment is apt because you know he he tries to get some call and response here, which mm-hmm. is very uh, you know Baptist church or Southern churches used a lot of of this type style of try to get the congregation to you know participate. Let me hear you say yeah, all right, oh Lord, you know, and he's again mm-hmm. I think he's attempting to get some interaction and and. You know the, the congregation, so to speak, to to join in and and celebrate with him. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Do you agree, or do you think something else is worthy yeah. of calling out here? I agree. I feel like yeah, the the outro, in my opinion, is just uh, choir time and and for the for his congregation to interact with him. So yes, I agree <laughs> with what yeah. you just said. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's cool. I mean, the song is longish. It's a little over five. It's like, I don't know, five, five and a half minutes. But um, a lot of it is like just music and this style of 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 singing where he's repeating lines and, and ad-libbing and, and asking for participation from the listener or from the audience, which, again, is a shame because he never played the song live. It was never released in his lifetime, so he never really see that through see you know his his vision of having this section be a call and response or you get people to to you know party and jam out with him at the end of the song never really happened but that's okay i mean we can do it now in our in our living rooms or you know if we're ever in a in a virtual or in-person celebration with the song comes on we can we can do it then i suppose right <laughs> right, right. But until then, just like, you know, he said in the song, all we can do is fantasize about it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. Can we fantasize? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Prince. Okay, well, I think that will 
bring us to the end of the song since there isn't much more to talk about in terms of the lyrics um do you have any final thoughts sydney on the song itself or anything that you feel we haven't covered that you want to talk about the only thing i would have to say is um it's it's a great song it's a um the message of the song is a uh, uh, one that he he re- he recycled a lot and it has a great purpose um his his lyricism always came out with with songs uh, relating to sex and spirituality it's spirituality and love and um basically i feel like this song was another way for him you know to spread his message and get it out to the people and you know him showing how he was always uh, defying the norms cuz in 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 religion and in, in a lot of religions we are taught not to question god or not to question a lot of um uh things that we are told or you know the things that we don't know so it, this is him again defying the norms being prince and um that's why i love him <laughs> he he defies mm-hmm. the norm um and it's just it's just princey uh, it's it's a great song, and I want to say shout out to Perla if you're listening. She put me on to the song. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, thank you, thank you for that. I think that's a, a great way to end the episode. So, Sydney, can you share where people can find you on social media if you don't mind? Well, normally just for Prince, I'm normally on Twitter. Um, my ad name, please don't laugh. I'm going to say it. Okay. I was like 16 when I made it, <laughs> but my ad name is at Paisley Park Crip. And, um, uh, if, if you just wanted to search for me just by name, you can type in Sydney C Sydney spelled C Y D N E E and just a C. If you wanted to follow me on Instagram, because I am a singer, I'm a dancer and I'm a, I'm, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I play guitar and piano. Um, you could um, find me at underscore Sydney, just like how I spelled it, C-Y-D-N-E-E, and then my middle name, Elise, E-L-I-S-E underscore. So underscore Sydney Elise underscore. That's where you can find me. <laughs> great, great. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you volunteering to join me today, talk about love and sex. Uh, I've been wanting younger Prince fans to come onto the show and, and you stepped up. So thank you for that. Thank you for allowing me to come. Of course, of course. Glad to have you. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show at PressRewind.net. Also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just type in Press Rewind or Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast and you'll find the show. I also have links to those different social media outlets on the show notes. Thanks again to Sydney, and until next time, goodbye. <laughs>